0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Functional Fertility, the podcast designed to demystify your hormones, uplevel your lifestyle, and supercharge your fertility potential. I'm your host, Dr. Kalia Waddles, and today we're talking about one of my most beloved topics, that is cervical fluid. Now, you might be wondering how one could talk about cervical fluid for an entire podcast episode. But don't you worry, I can do it. This topic is so interesting and it's so important to me for a few different reasons. Number one, you might not be hearing about this anywhere else. For whatever reason, this one hasn't hasn't caught on in our friend groups, in the group chat. We talk about so many other really personal and maybe even invasive or maybe even spicy topics with our friends but I don't think this one is coming up very often. So maybe this has been confusing or interesting, and we're going to talk about it. Number two, this is actually my most trusted sign from the body that ovulation is imminent. We talk a lot about... Ovulation predictor kits and cervical position, and and all of these things that we can do to predict when we ovulate so that we know when to time intercourse most appropriately. And this is actually my most trusted sign. And even better, this is information that our bodies are giving us every single day. So I think this is important that we have the body literacy and we have the skills to know what we're looking for. Number three. I have seen estimates that abnormalities in cervical fluid account for somewhere around 3 to 8% of subfertility in women. And considering that this is information that our body is giving us, that number feels high to me. I want us all to be able to recognize when we're not seeing adequate fluid or when the consistency isn't ideal so that we can talk to our practitioner about it and get ahead of that so that... We can minimize that number that's three to eight percent. You'll you may have noticed that I'm using the phrase cervical fluid rather than cervical mucus, and both are perfectly great and appropriate. I just have found that it's a little bit more approachable or less intimidating, or maybe even more palatable. For the lack of a better term, when we use the the phrase cervical fluid, but I'll, I'll use them interchangeably. You'll hear me say cervical fluid, cervical mucus, CM, it all means the same thing. My personal interest in this topic started in about 2012 when I was personally recently off birth control. I got married that year and I started to track my own fertility signs. And at that point, I had a nutrition degree. I was in my naturopathic doctoral program, and I had never heard of cervical fluid in my life. This was never taught to me. It never came up. I had no idea that this was an option. I have to admit, I actually learned about this from being on fertility forums. I I was on all the apps, all the you know, TTC, TTC forums and learning what everyone else was doing. And it was actually hearing other women talking about their CM that prompted me to look into this. And let me tell you, my mind was blown. I, my mind was just exploding knowing that this information was probably there to me for years and I had no idea what I was looking for. And I know that's not isolated to just me. I know that that's a common theme. I I think we all deserve to have this information because like I said, our bodies are giving this to us every day for free. And in my opinion, this interaction between sperm and cervical fluid is one of the most important components of successful conception. And in fact, the presence of quality cervical fluid It's just a really simple clue that can give us insight about our hormone status and about the opening of that fertile window. So in this episode, we'll talk about the importance of that fertile quality cervical fluid. We'll talk about some of the most amazing functions of fertile CM, which is so fun to talk about because it's so amazing and it makes me feel like humans are just incredible and mysterious and powerful and amazing. Um, and then I'll we'll also share some of my suggestions for optimizing uh, that fertile quality CM. So we'll cover lots of different pieces of this story, and I hope you find it as interesting as I do. Let's take it to all the way to square one and talk about um the hormone connection. So the quality and function of cervical fluid is intimately tied to the phase of our menstrual cycles. In the first half of our cycle, the follicular phase, that's the day one of our period until ovulation, the cervix is under the influence of estrogen as the primary hormone. And estrogen causes cervical fluid to be more watery, and it causes large molecules called mucins to align in an organized fashion. And this creates what one might call... The sperm superhighway. That's what I like to call it anyway. And when I'm talking about this or when I'm visualizing this, I think about it like when you get the bumpers on your aisle at the bowling alley to make sure that the ball goes down and hits the pins. That's how I think about fertile quality cervical fluid. And we'll talk about the biochemistry in a moment, but it's really creating this sperm superhighway because of the way that those molecules align. Is that not amazing? Just even that one simple fact. That is incredible incredible to me. It's so sophisticated. It's so um intentional. and I think it's beautiful. Even more, estrogen increases the amount of fluid secreted. So it's not only changing the consistency, but it's also changing the amount. And I read a study that uh, came out in twenty fourteen, and I'm happy to link that in the show notes page. But they said that the cervix secretes about 20 to 60 milligrams of fluid on a normal day. And sometimes people ask me, milligrams, isn't a liquid supposed to be in milliliters? But this study used milligrams, I think, because there's actually quite a bit of weight to cervical fluid. it's The, the consistency is thick. And they found that just on a normal day, when you're not in that uh, periovulatory time, that the cervix secretes 20 to 60 milligrams of fluid when you get close to ovulation, you might make as much as 700 milligrams. That is, you know, maybe more than a tenfold increase. So that's really significant. And maybe you've noticed that when you're getting close to ovulation and we see some dampness in our undergarments. And if this is a thing, if, if no one has taught us about cervical fluid, so many of us think that there's something wrong, that there's discharge and we don't want to talk about it and no one has told us what's normal and what we should see our doctor about. And so everything seems a little bit um, uncertain. And especially as you get close to ovulation, that fluid increases by 10 times, you're probably going to notice it. So uh, this is actually healthy and this is to be expected. And we'll talk about the consistency that we're looking for, which is really like raw egg whites. That's why you see EWCM or egg white cervical mucus all over the fertility boards because that's the consistency that when that we're looking at. And when we start to see that consistency, it is baby making time. Our fertile window is opening and I'll talk through some of the the functions of cervical fluid that help to facilitate that process, but that that is our information. That means it is go time. And I trust that more than I trust your OPK or more than I trust anything else because your body biochemically is in the right phase. It's in the right place to try to conceive. Those cervical mucosal secretions actually fill the opening of the cervical canal and contribute significantly to a few different roles that the the cervical mucus is playing. Number one, It's preventing the ascent of pathogens. So it's preventing pathogenic bacteria, for example, from ascending from the vaginal tract through the cervix into the uterus. So there's a protective quality there. It's also facilitating or helping the ascent of sperm into the fallopian tubes where we want them to go. That's where we want them to be so that they can fertilize an egg. So let's talk about a couple of the absolutely incredible benefits and functions of that fertile quality cervical fluid. Because like I said, it creates a sperm superhighway. Under that signaling from estrogen, fibers in the cervical fluid start to straighten out and they create a path right through the cervix. And this is interesting. People have, um, researchers have looked at this under an electron microscope, and they can see these fibers going from being really chaotic to being more structured and really creating those lanes for the sperm to swim in. Incredible. The other piece is that um, that fertile quality cervical fluid protects sperm from an acidic vaginal environment. That that fertile mucus is has a composition that is 95 to 99% water. It's a lot of water, which we'll talk about, but it's also ions and enzymes and proteins that um, protect against bacterial infection and those mucins that we've talked about. And in general, that fertile cervical fluid is considerably less acidic than the vagina. So to say that another way, it is more alkaline than the normal vagina. And it protects the sperm from the natural environment in the vagina, which tends to be pretty acidic. When you look in the research, it actually says that fertile quality cervical fluid protects sperm from the hostile vaginal environment. And I have really mixed feelings about that languaging, so I don't know about that. The hostile part is both funny to me and I think that it creates, um, I don't know, a little bit of negativity. But it certainly protects it from the acidity in the vagina, which is thereby designed to protect us from infection. We have lots of lactobacilli in the vaginal tract that they serve the purpose of keeping the vagina acidic so that we don't get infection. So that cervical fluid helps to temper that a little bit. Next, um, it, the the cervical fluid can serve as sperm food in the research they call this um biochemically nurturing the sperm but essentially to me that means that it's a sperm food it's just fancy terminology that means that it has the perfect composition that it can keep sperm alive uh, sperm in these in these favorable environments of having plenty of this cervical fluid can live for up to 5 days and that is why cervical fluid is kind of a sperm reservoir. It stores sperm for a later release. And this is what happens when you hear, oh, sperm can live up to five days in these perfect conditions. It's because the composition of the fluid is keeping them alive. It has everything that you need to keep them biochemically nurtured. And this is helpful when you're trying to get pregnant, right? You want to have that sperm reservoir that's waiting to fertilize an egg. So if you have sperm waiting, you ovulate, that egg starts traveling down the fallopian tube where it can meet the sperm and become fertilized. Cervical fluid can also filter abnormal sperm because they they likely won't be strong enough to swim through it. When we have these fibers and uh, there's a little bit of resistance because of the viscosity of the cervical fluid that Sperm, they're not, they 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 won't be able to swim through it. Um, and so it helps to kind of filter out sperm that might be weaker or not good swimmers or abnormal in some way. And then I alluded to this earlier, but fertile mucus also has that really high mucin content. So it forms a gel and that keeps the cervical canal open. Basically, it it holds the door open and then invites sperm to come right in through that sperm superhighway. So this is really, really important and helpful and crucial if pregnancy is your goal. So as I'm working with my patients and we're doing their full intake, part of the questioning is, you know all of your history and asking about your menstrual cycle, but also asking, have you been monitoring your your cervical fluid? And how does that relate to when you get your positive OPK and um, when you feel this increase in your libido and some other signs that you might be ovulating? And we put together this whole picture combining multiple data points, which makes it much more likely that we'll actually zone in on an accurate fertile window. So now I want to take a moment and just pause and talk to you about the sponsor of today's episode, which is my partners over at Needed. One of the most common questions I get in my inbox is, how can I support my egg quality? And whether you're thinking about fertility in the future, or you're trying to conceive for the very first time, or maybe you're preparing for IVF or egg freezing, Caring for the health of our eggs is one of the most important ways that we can support our fertility. To optimize my own health, I have turned to the needed egg quality support supplement. This combines four targeted and optimally dosed antioxidants to improve egg quality. And I want to highlight optimally dosed because there are so many different supplements on the market that have antioxidants and they have perinatal nutrition But Needed, the Needed team has done so much research to really ensure that they are including optimally dosed antioxidants, nutrients in all of their products so that we know that what we're taking will actually have an effect. In addition to their egg support, they also have a CoQ10 supplement, which I'm always talking about as a powerful antioxidant and mitochondrial support. Remember that an egg cell or an oocyte takes three to four months to mature before ovulation. And this is a really meaningful time to support egg health through targeted nutritional support. Needed egg support is safe for pregnancy, it's safe for breastfeeding, and like I said, it contains therapeutic levels of targeted antioxidants. It was curated by a team of fertility-focused practitioners and researchers. If you're thinking about getting pregnant in the next year or you want to protect the longevity of your fertility, I highly recommend adding needed egg support to your supplement routine. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use code Fertility for 20% off your order. That's thisisneeded.com and use code Fertility for 20% off your order. And thanks so much to the team at Needed for all of your support of this show. Now that we've talked about some of the most amazing benefits of cervical fluid, let's talk about what you can expect to see throughout the month because I think this will help as you're zoning in on your own fertile window. Let's review the basics again. Your cervix produces fluid all throughout the month. And then based on hormonal fluctuations, it's either thick and sticky and will make it hard for sperm to swim Or it's nice and stretchy, like that sperm superhighway that's bringing them right to where an egg is waiting. So here's a general breakdown of how cervical fluid behaves or changes throughout the month. And this is obviously going to depend on what your cycle length looks like. And there's a lot of variation. But I'll walk you through the textbook example. This is if you have roughly a 28-day cycle, which I know many of us don't. But this will help to illustrate the different phases of cervical fluid throughout the cycle. So in the very first part of your cycle, starting at on day one, you you have your period. That will likely last three to five days for most people. And that week or so is probably pretty dry in terms of cervical fluid. There's not going to be a copious amount because estrogen is pretty low at the beginning of the cycle. Just as an aside, that's why I measure estradiol specifically. On cycle day three. So on cycle day three, we look at estradiol, luteinizing hormone, and follicle stimulating hormone because they're very low at the beginning of your cycle. And that's actually helpful information to see as low as they'll get. What, What is it looking like when they're as low as they're going to get in the beginning of the cycle? So not a lot of cervical fluid in that very first week or so. Once we're approaching days 10, days 12, you might notice a little bit more cervical fluid showing up. Estrogen is rising. It's acting on those cells in the cervix. Our fertile window is getting closer to opening. If you're ovulating mid-cycle, we're we're right before we're in the the pre-ovulatory phase, so we're getting a little bit more fluid, but it might not be that egg white consistency yet. Once we get to days 13, 17 for some people, whatever your pattern is, as you get close to ovulation, your cervical fluid will become stretchy. It will become more copious and it has that egg white consistency. This is fertile mucus. This is what we call fertile quality cervical mucus, egg white cervical mucus, It's more watery. Estrogen has acted on the cervix and is creating that more watery, more stretchy mucus that will facilitate the migration of sperm into the uterus so it can go to the fallopian tubes where it will likely fertilize your egg. That is our window of opportunity. Like I said, I encourage patients to watch for this. And sometimes people are unsure how do I, how do I find this fluid? Like, is it easy to see or what do I need to do? And sometimes there is a learning curve, but it's definitely easy. I mean, anyone can do it. And once you notice this fluid, you'll never, you'll never be able to unsee it. You'll be able to recognize it every time. So as you're really close to ovulation, most of the time that fluid is copious enough that you'll be able to see it on the tissue when you use the restroom. We all know, women, we were all taught that you should wipe front to back. But some women might need to actually wipe back a little further than they're used to in order to capture some of that fluid. So you'll wipe all the way back towards the perineum, which is that space between the vaginal opening. And the anus. And oftentimes fluid will accumulate there. So you wipe all the way back and then you'll be able to scoop up a little bit of that fluid. This is the part where maybe this is the first time you've ever done this, but you'll actually look at the tissue. And I encourage my patients to touch it and to stretch that fluid between your thumb and your pointer finger because fertile cervical fluid will stretch. It might even stretch. Several inches before it breaks. And if you've never seen this, just prepare to be amazed. It's truly amazing how far this fluid will stretch. And that's how you know that you're getting ready to ovulate. And it's a really, really good time to start having sex, getting that reservoir of sperm built up. Following ovulation, cervical mucus will become more sparse again, and it will remain that way probably until you start your period again. After ovulation we've ovulated and that follicle that held our egg now becomes a structure that's called the corpus luteum which begins to pump out progesterone. And under the direction of progesterone, the amount of our cervical fluid is reduced it becomes a little bit thicker and a little bit stickier and it's actually preventing further migration of sperm up you know through the cervix. So that is a typical pattern of how fluid changes over the cycle, and if if you've not been observing this, I highly encourage you to start doing so because not not only can it make your time to conception quicker, but I also just think it is such a um, impactful way that we get to know ourselves and our own body and understand how our hormones are showing up in physical signs, which is really cool to know about ourselves. So maybe you have been monitoring and you're feeling like you need a little bit of support. Maybe you're not getting as much fluid as you would expect and you need some pro tips to encourage that healthy both amount and the right consistency. So I have a few suggestions and um, these are things I've talked about on social media before, and I'll try to get ahead of all the questions that come up when I talk about it there so that you have all the details you need. My number one suggestion to to support optimal cervical fluid is simply hydration. And I know that seems like a very basic answer, but I already told you cervical fluid is 95 to 99% water. It is mostly water. And when I have patients who are dehydrated or um, they maybe are exercising and sweating and not taking in enough fluids, I definitely see a change or they tell me that they are observing a change in their cervical fluid. And even more, um, sometimes if someone is drinking a decent amount of water, but they're sweating a lot, maybe they're exercising a lot, we might add some electrolytes. And I've seen that really help with the consistency. So hydration, but also adding uh, adding minerals to your water and kind of supporting that cellular hydration, I have seen to be really, really beneficial for cervical fluid. If you're wondering how much water you need, I, I for the average person, a good rule of thumb, and this is assuming you don't have any kidney disease or any other um, issues dealing with fluid balance. But for most people, a good rule of thumb is half your body weight in ounces. So for example, if you weigh 150 pounds, that would be 75 ounces of water. And that's a good place to start for most people. And then, of course, we have to increase hydration if, again, you're exercising or you're sweating or you're in the sauna or these things that lead to fluid loss. The next suggestion I have is acupuncture. And I don't. I think it's no secret I'm a huge fan of acupuncture. I kind of am sad that I'm not an acupuncturist because it does so many amazing things. But one of the things that it does is increases pelvic blood flow. This is also why I love it for things like a short luteal phase because The health of our ovaries is so dependent upon the capillary blood flow through the ovarian tissue. So I love acupuncture for this reason. And when we have good flow, good blood flow through the pelvic region, we also encourage healthy fluid secretion. I think it's like this whole theme of flow, like good blood flow, good flow of of bodily fluids. Yoga and abdominal massage are also great ways to get blood flowing. I know that there are many physical medicine techniques that people are out there using, but acupuncture is just a tried and true. I just love it, and I think it's so powerful. I'll also recommend a supplement here. and NAC or N-acetylcysteine is my personal favorite. This supplement acts as a mucolytic, meaning it thins secretions. It thins fluid. And it's an excellent support for cervical fluid. People will sometimes ask me, and I know for anyone else who's been on those fertility forums, the TTC online forums, which I love and I still read, (laughs) I know you've read the recommendation to take mucinex. And this is why mucinex thins secretions, as does NAC. But the reason why I prefer NAC is because not only is it a mucolytic, but it's also a great antioxidant. It has a lot of antioxidant power, both for the health of eggs and for the health of sperm. So this seems like just such a no-brainer to me. It's like a two-for-one deal. You get the mucolytic action, you get the antioxidants. For patients who have PCOS, it also is so helpful. helpful for Supporting insulin sensitivity. And for anyone who's taking um, Clomid, you may notice that when you're on Clomid, by design, how it how it works with estrogen, your cervical fluid isn't as robust. It, it's really hard to get that egg white cervical fluid when you're taking Clomid. But NAC can help ameliorate some of that effect so that you still can get a good egg white cervical fluid. So I, I love... Um, And there's lots of research on this. If you want to look it up, there's a lot of research on using NAC and Clomid together. Someone asked me recently if if the same was true for letrozole. And letrozole works by a different mechanism of action than Clomid. And so in the research, it says that it's not supposed to have as much of an effect on cervical fluid. But patients report to me that they do find that there are there are changes to their cervical fluid, and I think NAC is perfectly appropriate in this case too. So if you're taking those medications, this is something you can talk to your doctor about adding to the routine. I'll also mention fatty acids here. So essential fatty acids are often used to, to increase cervical fluid and particularly to get that egg white cervical fluid consistency. Fish oils that have lots of omega-3s are great. And then another common thing that you'll read about is evening primrose oil. And this is a rich source of gamma linolenic acid, which is an omega-6 fatty acid. And when it's used in the follicular phase, which is again in that first half of the cycle, so day one until um, ovulation, it may increase lubrication or mucus production. And I would say, in my experience, trying this with patients, it either works or it doesn't. And I feel like we know pretty soon if it's going to be helpful or or not. So I might try this for a couple cycles. And if it's not working for you, it's okay because there's other tools that can be helpful if that's not the one. But for some people, they really enjoy it and it helps um, with their mucus production. It helps just the vaginal tissue feel a little bit more lubricated. And so it's worth a shot the last thing i'll call out here is energy balance and what i mean by that is our ratio of caloric intake to caloric expenditure sometimes when our energy balance gets very low because maybe we aren't uh, we aren't eating very much or we're eating but we're also exercising a lot so there's a, a large energy expenditure then our energy balance Gets very low. And in that case, our estrogen can suffer. So, anyone who's been dealing with or who has recovered from hypothalamic amenorrhea will know that when you're in that energy deficit, you'll see that your estrogen can get low. And remember, estrogen is responsible for that egg white quality fluid. And so, when our estrogen is low, our fluid can be either less amount or it doesn't get that egg white cervical fluid consistency. So when it comes to to thinking about the reasons why we're not seeing the fluid um, in the ideal amount or in not getting that stretchiness, if the issue is that there is an energy imbalance, we can take all the supplements and we can drink all the water, but it probably is not going to help very much. We really have to go to the root of the issue. And so I just think that's a worthwhile conversation to have, and it's something to think about Um, because of the way that there's an effect on fertility via multiple pathways. So I hope that this episode was fun and enlightening and you learned something new about the biochemistry of cervical fluid and how impactful it can be. If you have any questions, you know where to find me on Instagram. Like I said, this is my favorite topic, and so I love fielding questions about this and would love to hear from you if anything is coming up. I want to thank... Uh, Number one, all of you for listening and for spending time with me. It's such an honor to be a trusted source of information. I also want to extend a huge amount of gratitude to our show's producer, Paola Martini. She really brings this show to life. And finally, I want to again thank our episode sponsor, Needed, and remind you all that you can head over to thisisneeded.com and use code FUNCTIONALFERTILITY for 20% off all of your favorite perinatal nutrition products. Thanks so much, everyone. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Did you love this episode and want to hear more? head over to drkaliawattlescom slash podcast, where you can find more episodes on all things fertility.